Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers returned from a bye to take on the New York Giants and were successful in winning uh, 23-16 to in front of a uh, sold-out crowd on Sunday Night Football at Lambeau Field. And this was a strange game. Um, there's going to be many things to talk about. But, Matt, I wanted to start with... Um, Sunday Night Football, this is the second time this year that the Packers have been on Sunday Night Football, and I doubt we talked about it in Week 2, but that intro is just embarrassingly bad, and I feel like uh, in 20 years, maybe 10 years, it's going to show up in I Love the 2010s type shows on VH1 as something that people are cringing and embarrassing, uh, embarrassed to be watching. Yeah, I can see that too. I, I mean, you're already doing it now, so it's when it gets outdated, it's going to be super awful. Um, it, I, the whole thing is just kind of uncomfortable <laughs> the whole time. I get, I like the updated song isn't the worst. Not that I'm like a big Carrie Underwood fan, but it's just like the whole emotion and like uh, I don't know. It's it's just a weird premise and a weird thing they thought was cool. Why can't she just walk? That's the thing that bothers right. me the worst. It's just like this really weird. Like the song is built for somebody to just strut. Why can't she just walk? You don't like the the crouch waddle or whatever you call it. <laughs> it's sweeping the nation. The crouch waddle. I saw people uh, all over the streets doing it. Uh, they were so excited to see this. Uh, but let's talk about the game, which arguably was even stranger than the Sunday night football intro. The Packers won twenty three to sixteen. In a lot of ways, it didn't feel that close. Even when the Giants pulled within seven at the end, I was not worried at all that they were going to actually lose the game. And yet. It feels like, especially on the offensive side of the football, that Green Bay played terribly. Yeah, it really does, and and that's weird. When you were saying it didn't feel like it was it was that close, like I'm torn on that because yeah, they dominated the game, but like at the same time, you like you said, you feel like they didn't play very well. I think, and just the kind of the weird nature of this game and how I just. The flow of it was just so separated and so strange, and turnovers from Rodgers, and it you just felt like this was a game that they would normally lose. So it, it seemed like for once we got lucky to catch a team that was playing even worse than we are, or than we did on a kind of a bad and an off night. Yeah, and you said when we were texting yesterday about uh, the Giants being mostly to blame for us being able to win because they were just so bad. And I agree with that in a lot of ways, but then looking at the stats today, um, the Packers' defense played great. They held them to 219 total yards, which is ridiculously good in the modern NFL. And I know the Giants are really one-dimensional with that running game. They have 15 carries for 43 yards, but with those dynamic wide receivers to hold them down like that, Eli Manning underneath 200 yards passing, uh, Odell Beckham barely over 50, and then on offense, Aaron Rodgers was so off, and for whatever reason, they didn't want to use Eddie Lacy, even though he got injured later on. But then at the end of the day, they had 406 yards of total offense. It's the first time they've had 400 yards of offense since they played uh, the Dallas Cowboys last December. And so I, I really have no idea what to make of this game or this team, especially offensively. I, I mean, what we can dig into that, but... I, I don't know if I'm impressed with them or not. It's so weird. I could be completely unimpressed or very impressed, depending on um, minutes after thinking about it. 
Right. I mean, it, it's such a weird roller coaster of a game in just those 60 minutes, how many ups and downs there were in it. And you had so many bright spots like Randall Cobb going off, nine catches, 108 yards. Um, Eddie Lacy looking like exactly what we've always hoped and only getting a few carries, but just running over people left and right. I was just going nuts watching him. And then even Devontae Adams probably having his best game as a Packer in two years yeah. since, you know, the 2014 season. And, uh, you know, Rodgers. Jordy Nelson, I mean, but then on the other side, Jordy Nelson has drops. Rodgers, although he had a lot of yards and hit some nice plays, had a lot of bad ones, too. Mm-hmm. So it, there was just kind of a lot of both, but at least, you know, in terms of for the Giants, it was pretty much all negative. Mm-hmm. I, I think we just got, we you know, we kind of ran into a defense that their forte was a good front seven, but it sure didn't look like it last night. Yeah, they didn't get what they paid for this offseason from what I've seen of the two Giants games that I've watched this year. Those guys aren't providing any more push than they had before, and uh, Vernon was completely dominated by Bakhtiari. And I, I mean, I don't think they lined up against each other the whole time, but it, it was just really kind of a, a strange, strange game. And Aaron Rodgers to have a 65 passer rating and still put up 400 yards, like, that just has never been a signature of any Packer team we've ever seen him on. And and to speak on that offensive line, I can't remember a pair of tackles having a more pointed-out great game. I mean, you very rarely notice that, but it just, it was so obvious. And like you said, they didn't get what they paid for, which, big shock, who doesn't go into free agency (laughs) and spends a ton of money and it it doesn't work out. it, It seems like it happens every time. Yeah. But for... For our offensive line to dominate those guys who, yeah, you can say maybe they overpaid for, but have still been some of the best in the league at times, and to just completely control them and not allow anybody to touch Rodgers was amazing, and Bakhtiari had one of his best games ever. Yeah, and he looked exactly what we paid for, and looked, yeah, like you said, as good as we've seen him, and when they gave him the contract, it probably was when they had to have given it to him to get they didn't get that much of a home down, hometown discount, but they certainly didn't pay market price for him. And he's really responded by playing even better since that happened. So like Mike Daniels, that certainly makes you feel a little bit more comfortable in what they decided to do. Um, but if you contrast that on the other side, it, it was really kind of an interesting showcase in philosophies where the Giants spent a ton of money to try to improve their defense, whereas the Packers did it almost completely through the draft in, an large, uh, or in, in, in a lot of ways. They did it with unknown college players because they were picking low or undrafted free agents, and they didn't have Sam Shields. The shocker before the game, we were worried about Demarius Randall getting torched by Odell Beckham. He's out, and so then they have to play with uh, Gunter and Quentin Rollins, and they completely shut down what is supposed to be one of the best wide receiver trios in the NFL, and I don't know. It's just crazy. Uh, I, I didn't expect them to be that good, especially once I heard Randall was out. Right, and maybe that was a blessing. You, I don't want to give up on that guy too early, but obviously with him not playing so well this year, you you put Rollins into a bigger spot, and he played well. And it just see, it seemed too simple that you're able to shut down an offense just by dropping safeties back so they can't go deep. Yeah. It's like that's even still with that, it seemed like that was the only thing they wanted to try to do mm-hmm. um, and just pound their head against the wall, and they just had nothing going. And we put good pressure on too, which which helped a lot with the pressure or with the the coverage back there. But mm-hmm. it just seemed like they weren't willing, much like we often criticize the Packers for, they weren't willing to kind of deviate from their original game plan. Yeah, yeah, and it's of course we're finally able to figure out this uh, successful strategy in week 
five of what might be a very unremarkable yet successful season for the Packers, but we weren't able to do either of those things with uh, arguably more talented teams in an NFC championship game or the divisional round of one of the best seasons in franchise history. How frustrating is that? (laughs) It was really nice, though, to just beat the Giants. Like, I know it's almost none of the same players and not even the same head coach, but it was still nice to beat the Giants at Lambeau Field because that's such a cool uniform matchup. And they've been such a thorn in our side and ruined two of the greatest seasons that we've seen in our lifetime. And you'll never get those moments back. But uh, after and then even dropping a couple regular season games following 2011 down in the Meadowlands, it's nice to uh, finally beat those guys, even if it was potentially not that meaningful of a game. Right, I mean, but you still have the same figurehead out there. You've got Eli, the same guy who's ripped your throat out a bunch of times, so it's nice, no matter what. And I, although it, you know, they may not have played well, I think it's a decently talented team that you can get a win against and still feel pretty good. I mean, regardless of your past, I mean, they were two and two. They've got a good offense, and they've they paid a lot of money. At least I'm not <laughs> sure what their defense is going to be when it's all said and done. But I I think it was a fairly impressive win, even though you didn't play that well. Yeah, and I think. When we say they didn't play that well, I think that has to be directed mostly at the offense. I think the defense played really well. Um, yes, that's true. The defense was was great. Kyler Fackrell with a sack. He looks like he's got a chance to be a stud, and I don't think he's going to be a Clay Matthews-level talent, but we've been talking all offseason in the early part of this season that if the Packers are ever going to win anything again with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, they're probably going to have to unearth a big-time difference maker on defense and especially the way Aaron Rodgers has started this season and the way he played last season, I believe that more than I did before. But I don't think Fackrell's going to be that. I certainly think he's going to be a big piece going forward. But Nick Perry may be that guy, and he looked ridiculous again. And I think that Ted Thompson better act fast to try to keep this guy in the fold. And I hope it's he's not like a five-game wonder or whatever, but we've been hearing for years from people on the team, from people who cover the team every day, that they believed Nick Perry could be this guy, and he really, until this season, had never even had a training camp because he's battled so many injuries. And if this is what Nick Perry truly is, um, maybe he hit, has the potential to be that big-time difference maker, that second Clay Matthews that we've been waiting for. Yeah, and I, th- I think they may have hit on this. It, I, I think it was uh, I forget who it even was last night. I think it was Collinsworth who was talking about how deep and athletic and skilled our outside linebackers were, and it just kind of hit me wrong at first because I've just been thinking about years past where it's just basically been clay or bust. Yeah. And you know, you kind of think about it. And it seems like all these guys can play. So rather than you know getting all your plays from one guy, maybe they're you know maybe Fackrell's not clay, but he can go in there and make that play on a specific down. Yeah, and. Um, you know, if there's one thing that gives me hope and promise about this Packers season, is this is the recipe for Super Bowl championships in this league. If you can get a whole bunch of guys who can rush the pass, passer, um, you know, you may not be getting it from Julius Peppers as much anymore, but if you've got Clay and Nick Perry, I mean, that's that's pretty darn good. And then all these other guys to provide depth and give them a spell and, and hit the quarterback, I think you've got a pretty good recipe there. And it'll be a huge test this week, and I completely agree. And the way the season has started, it's not 2010 because the offense was better in 10 and the defense was even better than they are. But you are seeing the type of team that 
was the 2010 Packers, a team that really largely, despite the narrative saying otherwise, relied on their defense in a lot of ways. They won a lot of games where the defense held people to 17 or fewer points, including two in the playoffs. Um, it's the narrative now to talk, and, and Aaron Rodgers played fabulously down the stretch in 2010. He played unbelievable in the Super Bowl, and of course that Falcons game is as good as any quarterback's ever had for one game in history. However, he also won the NFC Championship 21 to 14 with a 55 passer rating, and he won in the uh, at Philadelphia where they had a 21 to three lead, and then like they've done this year, didn't score again the rest of the game, and the defense was able to hold one of the best offenses in the league to 16 points, and they were able to win, and so. That's why I'm so torn, because I saw the way Aaron Rodgers played again yesterday, a 65 rating. Jordy Nelson looks slow. They still have no commitment to Eddie Lacy, even though he got hurt. Uh, before he got hurt, he only had 11 carries through two quarters, and he had five and a half yards a carry. So that's still concerning. It's still so head-scratching on offense, but then... You still believe that if they could do what they did in 11, and or I, I'm sorry, in 2010, and you just believe they have to get better eventually. And if they do and this defense stays good, then they have as good a shot as anybody. And it's such a contrast. On one hand, I think this team stinks and they're done in the wild card round. But then when you see everybody else, if if the offense gets better, which it might not, but if it does, they're as good as Minnesota. They're as good as anybody in the NFC. Right. I, I, it's just so hard, really. I mean, we kind of felt this way last year. It's so hard to ever put any stock in this defense until the playoffs come because th- that's kind of where we've seen their classic meltdowns. So, yeah. I mean, they could be great through 16, and I'm s- still going to be kind of scared going into the postseason that you're going to have a, you know, you're going to run into a Cardinals team again who, you know, we've seen them do that to us a couple times or the Giants, and it's just, uh, I, I really like this defense, and I, my hopes are getting up, but it's, it's, it's t- it's tough because these Dom Capers defenses seem to melt when it matters. Yeah, and they've certainly done that. Obviously, they didn't that one time, but it feels a little bit different with this team because, and again, it's so early, but their biggest problem was in those non-Super Bowl years is they could never rush the passer with any kind of consistency. They'd play a bad team and sack them eight times, and then they'd play Kurt Warner's Cardinals, or they'd play Tom Brady, and they couldn't get within five yards of the quarterback. And it'd be interesting to see what they're able to do against uh, Dallas, or what they're able to do when they're playing Matt Ryan and the Falcons, or when they're playing... Well, Andrew Luck's hard to catch, but it's not because of his offensive line, I guess. But there are some other guys that would provide a decent test. And, um, you know, right now Dallas is is giving up less than a sack a game. So if you could get to Prescott and put him on the ground three times, then maybe I start to become more of a believer. Sure. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. And you think it seems like conventional wisdom that the offense will seem to turn it around. But at what point do you just stop believing that that's a possibility and I mean it's one thing that they have some weird plays like we talked about the Lacey thing the other thing is why did they keep seven wide receivers and three tight ends if four of the wide receivers and two of the tight ends never ever play yeah Um, that's a good point (laughs) so you have those weird things but I don't know like it wouldn't be unprecedented for your offense to just never be good again. I mean, the Buffalo Bills offense over one season just wasn't any good anymore and never got better again. They stayed in the mid-teens and slowly slipped until Jim Kelly retired. 
and the Packers were better for longer, but I think as far as a league dominant standpoint, I think the 1990 Bills were pretty comparable to the, uh, um, not as good, but comparable to the 2011 Packers, and they kind of did a slow slide after that, and who knows, maybe that's just this is just it. This is what the Packers are going to be now for the rest of Aaron Rodgers' career is just kind of a middle-of-the-road team that can never quite look how they used to. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think if if I was an, a fan of another team and looked at the Packers, that might be kind of what I'm thinking. But I think since we're in it, it's just really hard to swallow that. And so maybe that makes me not want to believe it and tell myself it's not true. But I think it's also that we've watched every game of Aaron Rodgers playing for the last eight years and it's just super hard to imagine that that's going to happen to this team right now yeah um you know I can maybe see Jordy getting aged and not being as good um or what have you or, or injuries on the offensive line or Lacey getting out of shape and not being able to play but I just can't see Aaron Rodgers playing at this level for the rest of his career I just I can't believe that and I I guess until his career's done and maybe that is what happened I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to swallow that yeah, and I would agree. I don't think it's going to happen. I guess my my argument was more it wouldn't be unprecedented if it did happen. Um, you know, we talked. I, about I, I think it not happening though kind of goes conventionally against what we've seen. Though I think it would be more the exception than the norm. Yeah, for this modern era, it would. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly examples not all that long ago. But if you're going within the last ten years, yeah, that would be that would be weird to have that go this south this soon. Uh, especially with how dominant he was. I mean, maybe Donovan McNabb dropped off the face of the earth really fast, but he, his best season wasn't even anywhere close to Aaron Rodgers' average season. Um, for me, though, it's I'm such a big stat guy, and a lot of what's happened with Rodgers, he's slipped statistically quite a bit, but we watch a ton of games, and it just looks so difficult and so off, and... You see teams that I don't respect as much as I respect the Packers, like the Falcons and like Oakland and the, I don't know, the Redskins. Maybe they didn't score as much or or whatever, but it just doesn't look like it does with the Packers. The Falcons, maybe they end up with 23 points like the Packers do, but it just doesn't look so difficult like it does with the Packers. And again, it's perhaps a bias that I see every single play that this team has had in the last 25 years. So it's a little bit different than some of these other teams. But, you know, seeing Carson Wentz yesterday and some of the pinpoint throws he's making and, and Matt Stafford doing the same thing, it just looks so hard for Aaron right now, and it has for 20 games, and I think that's what scares me. If it happens for five, big deal. If it happens for one year when, or the second half of a year, a whole season when you're missing players, fine. But it's we're getting we're the quarter point of a next season. If it's still this way halfway through the season or at the end of this season, I won't know what to think because then that's a full-blown problem. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, though. It seems like when you watch other teams, everything just seems so wide open. It's just it's, there, there's guys open, and they can hit them all the time. And it, definitely not every team, but you know some of the ones that you mentioned that are, you don't even think of as that good, like just watching the Raiders and the Falcons yesterday, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. you kind of do get that vibe. Or even like the Saints, it's like, what are they doing creatively that's so much different than us? Because yeah. you know, talent-wise, you don't look at them and think they're that much better, and I'd still take our quarterback. It just It's frustrating that we have to do it with tricks and 12 men on the field and, and hard counts and mm-hmm. and weird plays and it I, I agree it, it seems it seems to be such a struggle and such a challenge every single week now 
Yeah, especially when you see what Sam Bradford was able to dust himself off and step into Minnesota, and they're finding wide open guys. And they, I don't think that right. offense is as talented as the Packers, but. And we're not red zone guys either, so we actually are sitting there watching, for the most part, watching whole games, and so it's not like it's a sampling bias of just watching red zone, because Charlie Whitehurst looked like an awesome phenom if you just saw the three touchdowns, or or the three good plays he had against New England. I guess, though, uh, we just went on a long tangent there. We shouldn't lose sight of the fact that they actually did win. Uh, They won 23-16, led for most of the game. The Cowboys come to Lambeau Field next for the third of four straight uh, home games, and the Cowboys just put a complete beat down on the Bengals, and I don't know if I'm as impressed with that as I'm supposed to be, because uh, fittingly, the year I finally buy into Cincinnati, they just stink. I cursed them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, not to go into this game too much before we make picks, if we're going to do that here, but I, yeah, I'm i really, really looking forward to our front seven against their offensive line. I think, I mean, this is a big test for both teams, and I think it should be a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would agree, and that's really going to show, I think, how good this front seven really is, because after that, Bears, Falcons, Colts, Titans, Redskins, Eagles, Texans, I, all of those teams have some shoddy offensive line issues at time, or at the very least, they're very one-dimensional on offense. And so, um, this this could be. I, I really don't know what to make of this season. It almost feels like a 2002 or 2001 type year where this team could finish with a 12 and four record, and I'll still have no confidence that they're actually a Super Bowl caliber team. Well, it's been such an upside down league this year. I mean, you look at like even a Cowboys. I'll, I'll take the Cowboys and Vikings for example. It's, I I don't know if I'm ready to buy into these teams either, and they're you know they're sitting at the top of the NFL right now, and even like a team like Denver, it's just like where are the good teams? Like I don't yeah. know if you know if I don't know if I watch Dak Prescott and really truly believe he's an elite quarterback or like the Carson Wentz Eagles. It's like these weird teams came out of nowhere and are all of a sudden really good, and it's just really hard to believe it. Yeah, it is, and I mean I watch those teams, but they look a lot like game managers and. Like Carson Wentz, I watched all of that game yesterday, and the eyeball test, he looked way better than Aaron Rodgers, and that offense looked much better than Aaron Rodgers on the eyeball test, but they scored 21 points and lost, and the Packers scored 21, 23 points and won, sleepwalking through the second half. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's why we have three quarters of the season left, but yeah, it, it is such a weird season. It feels like it's ripe to be a 2002-2000 uh, type of season where there really is no good team, and you're going to have some lousy 11-5 and team raising the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the year. Right, and I, the weird thing about that, too, is I, it definitely feels like a year where somebody strange is going to win it, but I don't know if there's more than a couple teams I would classify as not strange. <laughs> like, yeah. I only maybe really truly buy into, like, maybe New England and Seattle. I, you could maybe throw the Packers in that mix right now in Denver. But, I, I mean, that's probably about it. And, not the and Vikings? The yeah, maybe Minnesota and Carolina. But even still, I, I, they both have big question marks, too, I think, at this point. Because just of how they Minnesota hasn't proven it and Carolina seemed to have fallen off a cliff. So it's 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 basically 28 other teams, in my opinion, that, that would seem kind of strange if they won a Super Bowl. So it could be, and it could be any of like 18 of those 28 too. You know who's going to win the Super Bowl for sure? Pittsburgh. 
This is the type of season that's built for a Steelers championship. It's They are like this generation's Washington Redskins, where if in the 80s and early 90s, if the Giants had a rough year and the 49ers were stumbling out the gate and had only like 10 or 11 wins, then the Redskins were like, all right, fine, we'll win the Super Bowl, whatever. And it's going to be against some weird kind of bad NFC team too, for sure. Yeah, like Minnesota <laughs> or... Yeah. Or something like that, the Redskins. I don't know. Maybe that's Redskins and Steelers. But, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. I guess it'll make it interesting going down the stretch to have so many teams in the mix. And I wouldn't rule out some of these one-win teams getting hot and getting back into it because there's all of these teams seem so equal and clustered that you're going to have some goofy stuff going on. Um, and it, that wouldn't surprise me at all to see a team like, I don't know, San Diego or... You know, even Arizona yet just get hot and uh, maybe go on a run. Sure. Uh, real quick, uh, the Raiders. Do you believe in them at all? They have the tied for the best record in the AFC. Uh, I I don't know if I'd call them one of the best teams in the AFC, but I believe in them enough. I think I had them in the playoffs coming into the year, right? Uh, yeah. But you had so them at nine I, and I guess, seven. They're already halfway there. Yeah, I, I I believe in them enough. I think. I, I mean, watching some of that game yesterday, I think Derek Carr's a good quarterback, and I think Amari Cooper is a really good receiver, and although their defense is pretty bad, they've at least been able to carry that team enough, and he seems to play, Derek Carr seems to play so well down the stretch of games. Yeah. They, I did see some stat on that yesterday, how he had like 15 or something fourth quarter wins in games that were decided by a few points, some, something along those lines, but he just, they always seem to be down at some point in the fourth quarter, and they always seem to win. Yeah, if that was 15, that would have to be like every single win he's ever had as a pro, wouldn't every it? Every game they play is close, and that number's probably not accurate, but that's just kind of what I remember, that he had, he has the NFL, or he leads the NFL in the last couple of years in games like that. Oh, I would absolutely believe that, just having watched it. Poor Chargers, though. Oh, my gosh. Like, they just can't catch a break. <laughs> yeah, they're the opposite. That was I can't believe they had a bad snap on a field goal. It's just like, no matter what, like something's going to happen. And it caused that team to lose. There's got to be something weird going on there. Well, it's They're trying to get their coach fired or something. Maybe it's some curse put on them by the people of San Diego. That's true too. Yeah, that's right. Because they're they're probably just up and leave now, so they're cursed. I know. I was thinking of that. That it's going to be so weird. Like the the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, it could have been the last uh, San Diego at Oakland game ever. Yesterday. Yeah. It, it's it's weird because I've I'm like. I've always been a huge Chargers fan in terms of, like, they've definitely always been, like, my second favorite team. But it's been, it, it's kind of reminded me a little bit of what happened before Houston left. Like, the Oilers were always so big down there, but then they just gave everybody so much heartbreak. They just couldn't <laughs> handle it anymore, and then they're finally like, all right, fine, get out of town. Like, yeah. you, you, know, you can only take so much as a fan base, and that one has been about as painful as it could possibly be for their, and you know, basically their entire existence. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know how that happens, how just the team could be so snake-bitten. At least the Chargers lately have done it in the regular season, whereas Houston was doing it after blowing huge playoff leads. <laughs> but um, Yeah, um, I had some other thing. Oh, yeah, that I got to watch the Tom Bredeman charles Davis team once again yesterday. And they, oh, it, it was so... Brenneman was a little bit better. He didn't go like super dramatic saying, well, if Stafford can lead a touchdown here, I bet you the Detroit auto industry will recover soon enough or or something like that. But Charles Davis was talking about Terry Bradshaw and how 
he was just this great deep ball thrower uh, when he was playing. And then Brenneman goes into his, some of the greatest plays in the history of pro football came from the arm of Terry Bradshaw throwing to those great receivers. And Charles Davis is like, oh, yeah, I remember him throwing those balls to to Lance Allworth. (laughs) I'm like, no, no, you didn't. Uh, He played for the Chargers 10 years before Terry Bradshaw was in the league. (laughs) I think you meant John Stallworth. (laughs) Yeah. But he was so sure that, oh, yeah, Lance Allworth, oh, he was great. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, he was. Lance Allworth was great, but. Yeah, that's not even, like, an easy mistake to make. It's not like he got the time period. Just the time period. It's like it's not even the same teams or anything. No, that have been, like, <laughs> I, I can't wait till next week. They're like, well, Andrew Luck's trying to follow in the footsteps of Peyton Manning. And then J- Davis can say he had some great wide receivers like Raymond Berry and Lenny Moore. <laughs> Those guys were fantastic. All right, so um, that's all I really had on uh, this game. So I think uh, we can move on to just really quickly picking uh, next week's games. And, uh, Matt, this week you and I actually did pretty well on our picks. Um, let's see. We can tie if Tampa Bay wins tonight. Otherwise, oh, I'll so get I've made up a little bit of ground. You did? Oh, just on the week. I'm probably still down by like seven games. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think exactly seven games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's start on Thursday Night Football with the Denver Broncos at San Diego Chargers. And, wow, did uh, Trevor Simeon get a lot more of my respect not playing yesterday because Paxton Lynch looked terrible. Yeah, I didn't really think it mattered, but I guess if you play to that poor the end of the spectrum, I guess it does. Uh, and I mean, you're playing against a good offense too, so you couldn't just hold them to ten points and still win. But yeah. I think that uh, I think Simeon will probably probably play this week, I believe, and mm-hmm. I think that's enough. I think Denver bounces back. I'm going to take a flyer stupidly on San Diego. I think that they're due with how well that they've been playing, and uh, Simeon. You know, Simeon's never lost yet, and while I'm having just said moments ago that I'm much more impressed with him now. You still, he's not going to go undefeated, I wouldn't think, and he's coming off of an injury on four days on the road, uh, going quite a ways, so I will take the Chargers. I'll, I'll put the caveat in here, though, that if Paxton Lynch plays, I'm definitely switching that game before it happens, because okay. he looked really bad. I'll let you have a caveat. The 49ers at Bills, the winner gets to claim O.J. Simpson as their own. Yikes. Uh, that's um, not the real stipulation, but I, I think oh, it would okay. make it. I thought that was for real. Okay. Rex Ryan might um, make it a part of the stipulation. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Bills in this one. I think they went pretty easy. Uh, I'll take the Bills as well. Um, when the, I posted something on the Facebook page about the Harambe jersey that people were trying to make, I don't know if we oh, talked yeah. about this. Yep. So there were some banned jerseys, and... Um, they wouldn't let you do Harambe for a while, and then they changed their minds. But I was testing it to see which jerseys you could uh, do and not do. And one of them that you could not do is a 32 Simpson for the Bills. They wouldn't let you order that one. But if you wanted to be a super hipster yet stupid fan of O.J. Simpson, you could have got a 32 Simpson jersey for the 49ers and celebrate his twilight years, I guess, if you really wanted to be a, a really big idiot fan so there's that interesting yeah <laughs> i'm sure nobody else wasted their time doing that but that's what i'm yeah. here for <laughs> it's a good experiment though now we know you also cannot get ray caruth uh remember the guy from the the panthers yep. that had his girlfriend murdered and then uh, uh there was some other you could get aaron hernandez though if you really wanted that so that's strange yeah so come on nfl get you gotta 
tighten up some of those restrictions if you're going to bother to do that. The Eagles at the Redskins. Uh, winner would be first place in the NFC East. Uh, or no, set, no, Dallas would still be first, um, but they'd be close. <laughs> yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I think I'll pick the Skins here just because on the, the opposite one, when it goes to Philly, I'll probably pick the Eagles. They probably split these games, so I guess I'll go Washington. Um, I would agree. Washington's a, the hotter team right now, and uh, so I will take them. The Browns at Titans. I will take Tennessee because Cleveland is terrible. It sounds like Charlie Whitehurst is also hurt now. That's what I heard yesterday. So hopefully they just go with Terrell Pryor because it would at least be an interesting game to watch. But Tennessee's looked good the last few weeks, so I'll take them. Yeah, I'd like to pick the Browns in the upset one here, but it's with so much uncertainty, it's hard to. I, I think if RG3 or McCown were playing, I might just take a flyer on it. But, yeah, I think I'll stick with Tennessee. The Ravens at Giants, a rematch of another really bad lame season, uh, Super Bowl 35. So the Ravens at Giants, two teams that started, uh, Ravens started 3-0, and Giants started 2-0, and and neither team has won since. Yeah, this is just another one of these games. Just the whole slate is filled with these just like average teams that could be really good one week and then really bad the next. That's the it, whole NFL this year. Yeah. I know, it, it, it's hard to pick the Giants when we just saw them look so bad, but I think these teams are kind of on equal footing. I, uh, I think Steve Smith got kind of banged up. I don't know if he'll play. I guess I'll take the Giants here in a win. Yeah, and I, I will do the same, but I have the same uh, confidence that your voice suggested you have <laughs> at the end of that pick. But, yeah, I mean, what do the Ravens have? I I, I don't know. They... They just lost back-to-back home games, and I know the Giants haven't been any good, but at least they played at Minnesota and at Green Bay. That's a hard slate for anybody. The Panthers at the Saints. Now, again, this is where we're kind of punished for when we pick them. Um, Cam Newton will not play tonight, and I would assume he'll be back for next week's game uh, and the Saints coming off a bye. Um, I will take the... I'll take the Saints, I guess. Um, Carolina's just not been getting it done on defense, and their offense has been pretty terrible. And um, the Saints' offense has at least shown some spark this year, which is more than we could say about the Panthers. Yeah, I'll take Carolina. That Saints' defense is just so bad. I think that Carolina will be able to put up enough points to do it, but it's probably going to be a high-scoring, ugly game. Sure. Uh, Here's a game I sort of want to watch, the Jaguars at Bears. And we'll probably yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oof. Um, I guess I'll go Jacksonville. Uh, Hoyer has played pretty well. I guess that's to be expected. He'll probably get a contract after the year now because he's played well as a backup. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'll take the Jags. I, I do that Howard guy, that running back for the Bears, though, has been pretty good. Yeah. Is he from uh, Indiana? I think they said Indiana. Yep. I'm actually going to take the Bears, um, assuming that Hoyer is going to keep playing. Although, did he get hurt yesterday? Um, I didn't see that. Yes, I just saw him on the ground on one of my, when I was looking at one of the TVs, and he looked like he had jammed his shoulder. He's not on the injury report. Um, uh, undetermined if he'll be. Oh, okay, so Cutler might not play. Um, I guess the. Bears have been doing okay. I, I maybe I just need to see more out of Jacksonville before I pick them to beat anybody on the road. They've just been a pretty lousy, lousy this year. And um, granted, with a week off, I'll take the Bears. Just keep it interesting. The Rams at the Lions. Uh, so the Rams finally. Uh, no, they they had already lost. So they're three and two now. But um, 
that defense didn't look very good against Buffalo at home yesterday, and the Lions um, seem to be playing tough, but I don't know. They just seem like another one of these. They're like a lesser tier. Like I don't have any expectation of them to reel off a bunch of wins, but they'll be tough to beat each week, I think. Yeah, uh, I think I think they'll win. I, I want to pick the Rams badly here, but I, I guess I'll go Detroit. I'll pick Detroit too. Just they're at home, and you know, I don't know. I don't have any confidence for the Rams to do anything right. offensively, especially on the road. The Steelers at Dolphins, Pittsburgh, Miami stinks. Yeah, Pittsburgh all day. You said yesterday to me in a text that Ryan Tannehill's career is over, and I thought that maybe he had gotten some like devastating neck injury that I missed, and you just were implying that he's that bad, and I think you're right. Um, they were already talking. Mike Florio must have heard you because they were talking on Sunday Night Football that the, the Dolphins have an option to get out of the contract after this year, and they're starting to look into it. Yeah, they're. I would think they're going to. I mean, it's just not happening. You kind of... How long can you experiment with a guy who's just not been good really ever? He, I mean, had a pretty okay one year, but I mean, you kind of overdrafted him. He was played a receiver in college. He had like one year at quarterback. You've mm-hmm. given him so much time, and it's just still not working. I, in this day and age in the NFL, you're kind of surprised they gave him as much time as they did for how little he's produced, and then for him to just keep turning the ball over and looking so bad, I think he's done. Because this is what his fifth or sixth year. Yeah, I think it's his fifth year, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I think they've given him more than enough time to really, I think 2013 they had a win-and-in scenario for the playoffs, but it would have been the sixth seed, and it was like an 8-8 eight and eight type situation, and they still lost anyways at home, I think, to Geno Smith. So I, I think he's had more than his fair share of chances. The Bengals at the Patriots, and I got to take New England here. Um, I wasn't that impressed. Tom Brady had 400 yards, but I think everything gets graded on a curve when you're playing the Browns. Um, It still is impressive that he can come right in and play fine for the first time he's seen live action since the fourth game of the preseason. But um, So I I still think they'll win. They're probably head and shoulders above everybody else in the AFC um, just by the nature of having a good quarterback. But uh, Cincinnati just, what a disappointment so far this year. Yeah, I'm taking the Pats, too. Um, You said it much better than I did. I just talked forever. (laughs) The Chiefs at the Raiders. This could be an interesting game. Yeah, it should be a good one. Um, It kind of feels like one of those law of averages games that you feel like these teams are pretty close to each other in terms of talent, and and the Raiders are winning and the Chiefs are losing. But, again, being in Oakland, they're rolling a little bit. I think I'll pick the Raiders. I'm going to take Kansas City because they had they were terrible in Pittsburgh, but they have a bye, and I think Andy Reid's like 19 and one or some ridiculous yeah, number like right. that. Yeah, that's right. He's got an insane record after buys. Yeah, so I guess I'll just go with that, mainly from the belief that uh, the Raiders have been a nice team, but I don't think they're five and one caliber good right now. Sure. The Falcons at Seahawks could be a very interesting game. However, it is in Seattle. Seattle with a week off, getting a little bit more healthy. I still think I'll take them. Yeah, I will too. I mean, I think that's a pretty good matchup. You've got Richard Sherman. You could put on Julio Jones, and that should at least neutralize a big part of your offense. Those running backs in Atlanta are good, though. I, it'll that should be a good game. That's the Sunday nighter. Uh, that's the Fox like uh, four. Oh no, no, no! It's right after. It's opposite Packers Cowboys, so we won't see that. Oh, dang! Yeah. That's a, would actually be one I'd be looking forward to. But uh, yeah, I'll pick the Seahawks. Though. It's funny because Atlanta beat the Panthers and Broncos back-to-back, and I heard, what's his name, Scott Hudson? Is that the guy on Red Zone? Uh, Scott yeah, something. I, or other. 
That's I don't think that's right, but it's got something. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about, well, Atlanta's proven they were for real because they're just the third team in history to beat the two Super Bowl participants back-to-back. And on the surface, that sounds like a really impressive number, but then if you think about it for five seconds, how many teams have had the opportunity to actually do that, you know, where you actually get to play both of the teams back-to-back? And probably like four, because <laughs> you only have like a one in four chance, or in the past a one in three chance of even having them on their on your schedule. Yeah, and then such a small percentage of a chance of having them back to back too. I mean that like never happens, I'm sure. Well, and I had to look to see if it ever happened to the Packers, and shockingly, three times, uh, twice in the '70s though, when there were fewer teams. Uh, they they lost all six games <laughs> in those three uh, years, but se- seventy five and seventy eight they lost back to back weeks to the Super Bowl participants, and then in nineteen ninety four in the biggest scheduling BS in history they had to play at Buffalo at Rich Stadium against the Jim Kelly Bills where they were almost unbeatable, and then four days later on Thanksgiving play at Dallas, like what kind of crap is that? <laughs> fair at all predictably they lost both those games but they played pretty well in both of them and then the week after Dallas they had to go play at the Lions the year after they had won the uh, NFC Central and were in contention for it again Uh, so I don't know what the schedule maker had for Mike Holmgren that year but holy cow that's nuts Uh, makes our middle middle of the season stretch this year look easy the Mm -hmm. Sunday night football, Matt, so you, you're not going to get to watch Falcons-Seahawks, but at least you'll get to watch Colts-Texans, which is Sunday night oh, football. Oh, thank goodness. I, oh, what a garbage game. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, that Texans defense, I mean, you can't even rest on that anymore because of how bad they looked yesterday. No J.J. Watt. Brock Osweiler's bad. Mm-hmm. They can't even get DeAndre Hopkins involved at all. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll take the Colts. I, I, what does Houston have to offer, really, I guess, at this point? At least the Colts, you think, could maybe put up some points throwing the ball. If I was Houston, I'd start talking to Consumer Affairs or something to try to get out of this Osweiler contract because he uh. looks terrible. And um, I think it was Solomon Wilcots was doing the uh, play by or the uh, color commentary for that game. And Osweiler kept throwing these throws. It's like third and five. The guy's standing six yards past the line of scrimmage, and he'll try to throw it out to the flat and, like, skip it into his feet. And Wilcox would be like, well, you know, that's the Vikings' pressure. You know, he's, he's, he's taken away his chance to step into the throw. I'm like, I wouldn't need to step into a six-yard throw. You, <laughs> it's, you're a b- bazillionaire and an NFL quarterback, and you need to step into a six-yard throw? Like come, it's he's he looks abysmal and makes a lot of sense after seeing Simeon that Denver would think to get rid of this guy. Yeah. Uh, and Monday Night Football, uh, the Jets versus uh, Cardinals in the the Bulls Bowl, I guess. Mm, yeah, another another one with defenses that are kind of good and offenses that are up kind of good. <laughs> it, it could be a kind of a good game, I guess. Um. um uh, do you know if Carson Palmer is supposed to be playing in this game? Uh, I can try to find that out while you ponder about stuff. They had a bye this week, correct? They did. So, and I he, he just had a yeah. concussion. So, or no, 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 they played on Thursday. Oh, that's right. That's when he got kind of banged up. Uh, he's um, still in the I concussion mean, I, protocol. I guess because of that, and because I don't trust him anyways, I guess maybe I'll take the Jets here. Um, I don't know. The Cardinals are just bad. Yeah, I'll still take the Cardinals, though, because I think the Jets have been equally bad this year, and at least the Cardinals are at home. 
I posted something on the uh, Podbean page today, and we talked about it last week during the bye about the ratings slumping. Packers Giants couldn't even stop the bleeding against the debate uh, last night, and so you know that's a whole other story. But there is a lot going on. Forbes magazine seems to think that it's the Colin Kaepernick stuff, and uh, a lot of places think it's the election. But as we're picking these games each week. It might just be that there's like no great teams. Like who wants to watch these mediocre slugfests between teams playing bad football and you know you there's not much you can do to change that. But uh, is there anything on the schedule that we talked about that really excites you to watch football next week? No, it would be nice if there was like an earlier in the season flex option or something because I mean when people are going to be locked in, I mean the two games everybody's going to want to watch are at the same time. Yeah. And um you know you kind of cancel each other out there. So if you can't throw those on Sunday night or Monday night, and you have these two games, which maybe Cardinals-Jets looked like it was going to be pretty good, um, and, and maybe Colts-Texans even too, but now you're stuck with these games that look terrible. Yeah, and I, I don't know if there's anything you can necessarily do about that, but yeah, if you're watching football all day on Saturday, and I think you know the college has had some really exciting teams this year, and um, then you start watching a couple games. Once the Packer game's over, you think, I'm going to want to sit there and watch Colts-Texans after watching football all weekend? It's like, I want to do anything but watch that game. Right. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the big one, the Cowboys at the Packers. We both agreed earlier in the show that this will be the biggest test for the Packers so far this year. How do you see this one going? Yeah, and I, th- I think I actually like the Packers in this one. Um, I just feel like if our front seven is for real, it this should be a pretty good matchup because, I mean, really that's what they do. Their offensive line blows people up, and that's kind of what we've been doing. If we can at least somewhat neutralize that, I don't know how much I trust Dak Prescott to throw to anybody else other than Cole Beasley at this point. Yeah. And, um, I mean, if that's what their offense is going to be, I, I kind of like it. And I, I think the one thing I'm having the hardest time believing Dallas is about is their defense has been so bad the last few years, and then somehow they've seemed to turn it around these first few games. But I, I don't think I'm buying yet, mm-hmm. and I, I think that we can throw on them, I think we can run on them, and I think we can just outscore them. Yeah, you wonder what would happen to Prescott if the Packers' run defense is legit and they're not able to make any headway with Ezekiel Elliott, and they just He's He's been averaging 21 carries a game, but he's also been getting quite a few yards, and so I think you're right. I, I think the Packers' offense can put enough pressure on them to the point where Jason Garrett usually doesn't need much to abandon a run game anyways, and then we'll see what Prescott's really made of. And I, ugh, I could see Dallas absolutely winning this one, but I guess I'll take the Packers at home and uh, hope that um, right now that the, the rookies are a little bit playing above where they're really at right now. Um, it'll be yeah, close. I mean, you, you take Dak in the Lambeau, you know, in a in a in a, uh, a big time prime time game, and it's it's going to be a lot of pressure on him. It's going to be a tough environment. If he starts getting hit a couple of times, it's going to be probably different than he's seen so far because they've had a pretty weak schedule. So I think yeah. that's a little bit of an edge in our favor. And he really crumbled on the road in college, didn't he? I mean, he was pretty bad when he'd play in those tough environments. Yeah. Um, so I'll reluctantly uh, take the Packers as well, but certainly could see it going either way, and I think this will be... Uh, I'll feel either convinced that this team's not really destined for anything more than like a wild card season, or if they play really, really well against Dallas, especially defensively, then I'm maybe going to start thinking that the arrow is pointing up a little bit for the potential for the Packers this year. 
Okay, real quick, I want to talk about the Facebook page. I asked uh, for any feedback about uh, how they did against the Giants, and we got two comments. Um, Bethany Drew said the Packers looked lazy to her, like they were just going through the motions. Don't know why they weren't using Eddie Lacy more before he got hurt. Rodgers looked incredibly gun-shy, and uh, she added that the sexy punter has to go. And apparently he's been really bad. I don't really pay attention to the punts that much, but... uh, I don't know if Mass Day would be any better, but it just shows, again, that they love to tinker with stuff that really doesn't matter, it seems like. Well, I mean, Mass Day's been this bad for the last year or two. That's that's what I don't get. The announcer said that last night. They're like, oh, the fans wishing they had Mass Day back. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, he's been, he was just as bad. So although that, you know, Shum has been bad, it's it's weird that they can't seem to fix this position. Like, you would think there'd be more than, you know, 15, 20 guys out there in the world that could punt a ball. <laughs> yeah. And it just seems like no matter who they put back there, it's not like a quarterback position that there's all these other things that influence you. You just have to kick it. <laughs> you can't <laughs> find a guy who can do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does. It, it makes him sound really bad when you put it that way. But, yeah, you're totally right. Uh, she did bring up the point about Rodgers looking gun-shy. And I, I agree with that to some extent, but... One thing I felt after they had the illegal motion penalty that took back the Cobb touchdown that would have put them up 14 to nothing, we've seen this a lot from this team where they come right out of the gate and they just drive down the field on their first drive, score a touchdown, and it looks like the route is on. And then they start it in the second uh, drive and they either have a turnover or they have some penalties uh, and and then the drive either fizzles out uh, in some manner and then they can never really get going again and do you think there's any chance that I mean this is going to sound really stupid but is, is there any chance that this team um, is so hurting in confidence right now that they're almost a little bit mentally fragile I, I mean it's possible or like you said they're just a little mentally fragile and they they can't think past like the initial script of the game or something. Yeah, you know, it's like they schedule the first fifteen and they got that down, but as soon as they've got to go off on their own and start calling plays, it's all of a sudden they can't do it anymore. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know if it's that as much as I I think that once things start going poorly, it starts seeping back in their brain about how much they've struggled recently, and then. I think Aaron, especially just by his personality, that he kind of pressures himself to be perfect after that, and then th- no, it's it's hard to succeed at anything once you're in that mindset. Right. And then Daniel Johnson said, from the little I watched the game, it didn't look good. Too much passing. We really need to get the running game going. There are times when we just get a lead and play conservative and are content with field goals and punting. It's like we can't win by more than one score. I'm sure if the Giants would have tied the game or taken the lead, Green Bay could have scored quickly. But without that need, we can't do it. We can't be playing like that against Dallas. I'm sure, though, that we'll play to their level. I really hate the Cowboys, despite my wife's cousin being on the team. You can't just say that your wife's cousin is on the Cowboys and not tell us who it is, Daniel Johnson. I mean, that that's that sounds like some breaking news. We we definitely got to hear that, right? Right. It's it's either something we need to know or it's definitely a lie. It sounds like something somebody <laughs> would say. <laughs> That, that isn't true, but uh, so you got to let us know either way. I believe you're truthful. I'm sure Matt does too. But we just, we uh, just... I, I do not yet until we know who it is. Even if it's a scrub, that's all right. That's, that's... yeah, that's fine. Let, let's know who that scrub is. Yeah, that's Thanks, more Kate. Cowboys than I know. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, Hawaii's showing the game, so that's good. Uh, Daniel said in the past that he gets stuck with a lot of Titans games because apparently everybody thinks that uh, everybody in Hawaii is a, a giant Marcus Mariota fan. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, I would agree with uh, much of what you said, that the thing with the running game is they are getting it going, and they had Eddie Lacy running wild, and I know he got injured, 
But 11 carries when he's getting five and a half yards of carries seems ridiculous to me. They had their second drive of the game. They had almost perfect balance on the first drive. And then the second drive, they passed like six straight times or something like that. I, I just, I don't, I don't think I'll ever understand Mike McCarthy's mindset when it comes to run pass balance. Yeah, and they're the worst kind of conservative because it, it seems like an oxymoron to ask ask a team to be less conservative and run more. But it, yeah. their conservative is these short passes. They throw a, you know a couple incompletions and your drive's done, or you run it one time on first down for three yards and you're like, oh, I guess that's not working, and you just <laughs> you just leave it for the rest of the drive. Yeah, you know if if you just put together a few runs in a row, especially with the way Lacey was running last night, you feel like you could keep drives rolling pretty well. It's just they just seem to. You know, you miss one pass and all of a sudden you're off and Mm -hmm. your drive's done just like that. And it's just frustrating to watch. And if Lacey gets stuffed once, then that's enough for him to think, well, this drive can't run anymore. But they could throw nine passes over the middle to Devontae Adams that either get tipped or he doesn't get to or Rodgers miss throws and they still try it a tenth time. It's just just really strange. Okay, so if you ever want to leave uh, any information on the uh, or any information, like if if That's Adam if Adam Schefter's listing and wants to give us a scoop, you could leave it on the Green and Gold Forever Podcast Facebook page. Also, if you want any topics that we can get to, definitely leave us a message. Uh, we've had people ask about the return of what if, and uh, we've said this in the past that the reason we haven't done those too much is uh, in the first couple of years we really exhausted almost everything that we could talk about in uh, recent Packers history, and the other ones we could do are quite old and not that. People don't want to hear that necessarily, but it requires a lot of research to do it right, and we don't want to uh, give half effort on that. But if you do have a topic that you'd like us to talk about, uh, let us know, and then uh, we can uh, take a look at that and hopefully talk about it on a future show. You can also tweet at us, at GreenGoldForever. That's the number four. Uh, you should go to the Podbean page, greengoldforever.podbean.com. You can leave a comment underneath the episode you're likely listening to now. Complete archives, not only of the episodes, but of some of the blogs that we've written. If you love old Super Bowls, there's a ton of stuff in the Eric's blog post section about old Super Bowls. And certainly, you should download the Podbean app and follow Green and Gold Forever on Podbean. Our complete archives, right on your mobile device, uh, you can listen to completely free of charge. And then on iTunes as well, um, for me, I think iTunes, the podcast app, for Apple is one of the best that there is. And on there, you can also uh, follow the Green and Gold Forever podcast. The difference that there is you can only get our most recent episodes. So um, I would definitely consider doing that. But the Podbean app allows you complete access to every show we've ever done, which I think is pretty cool. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And hopefully the Green Bay Packers, um, I, I, I don't want to say figure it out because they keep winning and I don't want to sound unappreciative. Um Matt, real quick, before we sign off, I just thought of this. College game day is coming to Camp Randall on Saturday when the number 8 in the AP poll and 10 in the coaches poll play host to the number 2 Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, how do you like the Badgers' chances on Saturday? Um, I, I, I guess I wouldn't pick them if I had to go straight up, but I, I, you never count them out at, against uh, a ranked team in Camp Randall. They seem to pull off these monster upsets a lot. And I, I think that they're, I don't know what the line is on this, but I would bet it's probably double digits. Um, yeah, I, but, I don't know, because teams just don't score that much. So I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it was like a touchdown. I mean, I think their defense can hang, but I definitely worry about their offense scoring against Ohio State. So I, I think that's why I'd pick the Buckeyes, but I'm, I'm not going to be shocked at all if the Badgers win. Yeah, going into the season, I thought that the 
toughest of this four-game stretch was by far the Ohio State game, despite it being at home, just because of the style of football that they play. And now seeing Indiana really take it to Ohio State in Columbus. Now, granted, they still won by two scores, but it was a struggle to get there. And you know, not in modern-day college football, you hold a team to 31 points or whatever it was. That's that's pretty good. Uh, so I think that I have more confidence in Wisconsin than I did before, and I'm hopeful for the upset and wouldn't be shocked if it happened, but like you, I would pick the Buckeyes if asked to pick straight up. And the betting line opened at Ohio State at 10.5, which I guess... I'd probably take that. <laughs> yeah, well, last I, time I they played the it was... To, yeah. take, I don't know if there's going to be enough points scored for them to you know break away by 10-plus points. Yeah, I, I mean, that could have something to do with the fact that Ohio State scores a lot, and uh, what, the last time these two teams played, Ohio State won 59-0, to zero, so... Um, but That's you're true. but you're right. Like, like ten and a half is not a n- not that much. I mean, yeah. Because what what would be the most likely? Like if Ohio State gets twenty four, then the Badgers only have to get a couple of touchdowns at home and you win. Yeah, I might right. take the Badgers there. Yeah. But I would suspect that that line will favor or uh, start sliding towards Wisconsin. So if you want to get in on that action, I would say act fast. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's all we got. So thanks, everyone, for listening this week. And uh, go Badgers, go Packers, and have a great week. Take care, everyone.